Ali was dead to begin with. There's no doubt whatever about that. The register of his burial was signed by the clergyman, the clerk, the undertaker, and the chief mourner. Scrooge signed it, and Scrooge's name was good upon change for anything he chose to put his hand to. Old Marley was dead as a doornail. And then he turned into Patrick Page. It's spirited time! Let's go! Merry Christmas, y'all! Hi, I'm Ryan. I'm Cassie. And this is Spirited Watch 2023, our second annual viewing uh, that will be a tradition that we will continue for all of time. 100%. Although I I will take one second to uh, reference another famous Christmas Carol movie. When I finally read the novella A Christmas Carol in the Mm -hmm. eighth grade... And and read the sentence, opening sentence, Marley was dead to begin with. I was like, wait a minute. There are two Marleys. What is this book talking about? Because my frame of reference was The Muppet. Oh, it's The Muppet, Christmas Carol, obviously. In which there are two Marleys. Yeah. Yes, there are, because, you know, you can't split up the team. No. Can't do it. Yeah. Muppet Christmas Carol, greatest of all Christmas carols. Spirited, second greatest of all Christmas carols, I would argue. I think we've had this conversation before. Honestly, Probably. I think we had this exact conversation a year ago. It's entirely possible. So this is probably what's going to happen, and I'm fine with that. Uh-huh. I come down on The Muppet Christmas Carol is the greatest Christmas movie. Fair. Also accurate. I don't think it's the best Christmas Carol adaptation. I really like the Kelsey Grammer musical a lot. Yes, we have talked about that. We have talked about this. That's still my favorite, but Spirited is it's such a great adaptation, but it's not it's trying to do something new with the story. Right. And ex- and that's the thing and and first of all, spoilers. Spoilers. So many spoilers. Not like- even for Christmas Carol cuz I swear to god if you don't if you don't know the plot of a Christmas Carol at this point, how I, exactly it's so ingrained in our society uh but for spirited if you've not watched spirited then you need to stop what you're doing and go watch spirited and then it's come on back apple and tv listen. it's on it apple tv worth if you don't have apple free tv subscription and you're uh related to me and listening to this podcast episode come over to my house you're in town for christmas come over to my house and we will watch spirited matthew <laughs> Sorry, last episode, as soon as it dropped, like a half an hour after it dropped, I got a text message from my brother that just said, why you got to call me out like that? Um, in reference to me mentioning his uh, voice changing in Andy Warbucks when we were kids. Well, somebody has to. And I was like, hey. This is all staying in the episode. I just, exactly. It's like I had to make sure you were listening. So this is me again, making sure that you're listening. <laughs> Let me know when you're coming over. We will watch this movie. So Spirited came out last year. It's on Apple TV. You could probably rent it in other places. It is absolutely worth the whatever the I think it's 10 bucks for a month of Apple TV. You're going to watch more stuff, but it's worth that to rent it because that's the world we live in now, I guess. Yeah. Uh Spirited is really 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 good. Uh we're going to start with It's a Musical. It is and it has never tried to hide the fact that it's a musical. It leans into it. It leans into it. It's right there in the trailer. They show the singing. They show the dancing. We live in a society right now where everybody is trying to hide. Did you know Wonka was a musical? I have seen Wonka. Uh I did not know it was a musical before I sat down in the theater. I didn't like being tricked by that, Mr. Wonka. 
Yeah. I liked your film, though. The only hint I had of it was that I saw a clip of Timothy Chalamet singing World of Pure Imagination. And I was like, is this a musical? Mm-hmm. It is absolutely and they're, a musical. And they're doing it with the Mean Girls musical, too. They're not. And it's it's because musicals don't do well with focus groups. And so since a lot of people are vehemently against musicals, they feel like they have to trick them into going and seeing a movie musical. Yeah. It's like, listen, if they don't want to see a musical, then they don't have to go see your show. It's not all about money, except it is all about money. It kind of is, yeah. But I appreciate that Spirited was like, no, no, no. We're a musical. Not only are they a musical, they're a self-aware musical. There's a whole bit in the opening. It's the afterlife. The afterlife is the a musical. The afterlife is a, it's amazing. It's so good. Okay, so we, we've been planning on rewatching Spirited this year for months. Mm-hmm. It's we've We've talked about it. We've been planning about it because we so enjoyed it last year. Part of me the whole time was just a little apprehensive. Like, I really hope this is as good as I remember it was. I really, really hope it was. It is. It is. It absolutely is. Well, and and here's how we're getting away with doing this on a theater podcast. It's a musical. And it, it very much leans into that fact. And this is such a ubiquitous story that's been retold in so many forms and formats. And that's my biggest thing with Christmas Carol. I kind of feel like we're good on the movie versions of Christmas Carol, like the straight movie versions of Christmas Carol. Yeah, like we got, you would the only way you would need to do it now is if there's somebody very specific that you want to place. Yeah, but like we got Patrick Stewart, we got George C. Scott, we got Kelsey Grimmer, we got the Muppets. Like we yeah. there's not a lot that you can do to make this story innovative or tell it in a new way if you're just doing a straight adaptation of the story because the story's a novella so it's not a complex narrative and it's not trying to be a complex narrative the plot is very straightforward it's incredibly straightforward and so the way that you make this innovative and new is to come at it from a different direction which is what this movie does and it does it so well and my favorite part about it is that it is a self-aware narrative i love a good meta story so the premise if you haven't watched it the kind of basic idea and i love it also when i'm looking at an adaptation and i can see where their jumping off point was Mm -hmm. and for me i feel like the jumping off point was what if what if scrooge wasn't the only one what What if this whole haunting at christmas was a thing that happened frequently and yeah. this this pushes that even further. It's like, it's a production. Like, they yeah. work all year at it. I will admit to having some world-building questions surrounding. I have I have many world-building questions. I go back once I go back one step farther, even for like where did this seed come from? Because there's a line towards the end of this movie. I think it's when Will Farrell, because it's easier to refer to him as that than the Ghost of Christmas Present yeah. Scrooge. Uh Ebenezer Ghost of Christmas Present Scrooge is too long. He's going to retire, and they talk about how he's the only unredeemable. Um, but they talk about they say that he only lived for a couple of months, which I right? don't After like. He was it's redeemed. Like the one criticism I have of this movie that they he only got to live in real life for a couple of months. Which I get it if it's like, hey, you were only redeemed on Earth for a couple of months. Maybe that plays into why you can't don't really believe that it was a real thing for you. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, sure, whatever. But like, that's the the thing in my head. They're like. Somebody somewhere thought, 
how much good did Scrooge actually do in the world if like he was only quote unquote saved for the last three months of his life? Like he was still a dick for 30 years. Right. Has he made up for it? Yeah. So and then and then the follow up question is, was Scrooge the first person to get redeemed? No, because Marley got redeemed. Right, but at some so point, so how Marley, how early does it go? Because and and here's my thing is that they're making because I don't know that Marley did get redeemed because Marley talks about when he encounters Scrooge in the original Christmas Carol, he talks about how I didn't do this in life, so now it's my penance to go forth in death. So right. I don't know that he was redeemed while he was alive. But here's but my he's thing: in char- but he's in charge. But he's in charge. Though. He's in charge. And but this is the thing, Ryan. They make such a big deal about how. Will Ferrell hasn't retired. Like, you've been doing this for so long and you haven't retired. Well, like, neither has Marley. So is this Marley's operation? Did he do it with Scrooge and then be like, hey, this is a good thing we got going. Let's keep it going. But we can never pick anyone unredeemable. Right. The only guy, only unredeemable will ever be able to do. Did Marley start doing this when he died? Because there's seven years between when he died and when they redeemed Scrooge. Yes, true. So did he start, was it started then? I have questions. I have questions about how questions. this afterlife thing. So was Scrooge thing... the first? Was Scrooge the first one, or was Scrooge like the fourth or fifth one? Exactly. It Did makes... they have some practice runs? It makes more sense for him to have been like the fourth or fifth one if he was a quote unquote unredeemable. If they wanted to make the pre-spirited, the prequel, yes, and we saw Jacob Marley, played by Patrick Page, die, and then create. Whatever we does, this organization have a name? It's just the afterlife. The afterlife create the musical afterlife where they can redeem souls, and then we watch them try to redeem souls to get ready to redeem Scrooge. I wouldn't watch that movie. That's true. I would watch that movie too. So, as long as it's still Patrick Page and Will Ferrell, because we have seen what Will Ferrell looks like in full Scrooge makeup. And he looks pretty good. Yeah. As long as he takes it seriously. Yeah. Oh, that's the other thing. That pre-sequel, no music. No music. Not until, well, no, no, because, no music because... until they they have to redeem somebody first. Yeah. And that's how the afterlife becomes a musical. And my, my one beef with the joke, because I feel like it was written because it was a funny line. When Ryan Reynolds is asking Scrooge, how long did you live after this? And he's like, oh, three weeks. Because, you know, back then, the leading cause of death was January. Like, I, I feel like that was a moment just played for laughs. But it, he li- we know line. canonically he lives at least one more Christmas. Because he goes he to does. the future to see the Christmas where he dies. Unless that's a separate timeline now. But that was what Chase said. And I was like, so he, he redeemed himself and shortened his life by doing so? Yeah, that sounds like Christianity. Mm. Okay. But that's like that's like my one nitpick. And also, I just I have questions about how this world works and how it got started. I have so many questions about how this world works, but I love that we want to know. Like, I am desperate. I talked about this being self-aware, a self-aware narrative. And it's aware that it's a Christmas Carol retelling, because when Marley appears to Ryan Reynolds character, he interrupts the song to be like, wait a minute. You said past, present future like the like christmas carol and it's like yes like like a a christmas Christmas carol Carol. so the christmas carol story still exists in this world absolutely and i presume it exists as a novel but now we have to get into the whole charles dickens was recording actual history 
and not just making something up. Maybe Dickens was in on Marley's thing. Maybe uh, Charles Dickens was the uh, the OG ghost of Christmas present. And he uh, got his retirement and got to go live the rest of his life as a human. And he wrote some novels. Hey, you know what? I like that. Head canon I'm, accepted. I'm down for that. That Head works for accepted. me. So if Charles Dickens uh, teams up with uh, Jacob Marley to create the afterlife so they can save Scrooge. Um, we know who plays Marley and we know who plays Scrooge. Who plays Charles Dickens? It depends. Are you going to get another Broadway heavy hitter? Let's stick with the Broadway theme. I mean, mm. Ryan Reynolds and Will Ferrell aren't necessarily that, but the, everyone around them is. Well, and this is this is another point I want to talk about. I love that there are not more Broadway heavy hitters in this. Because, listen, Will Ferrell, Ryan Reynolds, and Octavia Spencer are primarily the ones who sing in this movie. Like, Correct. there's a big chorus of people who sing, and there's lots of group numbers. But in terms of, like, solos, it's really those three. And all of those three can sing. They have good voices, but they're not yes. like Broadway voices. They Correct. feel attainable in a way, if that makes sense. Like, I can sing as well as Will Ferrell can sing. Sure. That is how I think uh, Pasek and Paul write music. As yes. Well. And I appreciate that. And we should talk more about that, too. Um, but I love that the one Broadway heavy hitter that they have is Patrick Page, who notably does not sing a full song in this musical because the one song he has gets interrupted. Yep. And also, he is the character constantly trying to get people to not sing in the afterlife. It's so good. It's so it, funny. Like, it was funny watch the first time, like when the movie was new, but watching it again this year, like the first time he said it, like I lost it. It's like, oh, you don't need to sing right now. We don't need another number. We don't. If you stop singing, I will say yes. The fact that there like, is a cut number that is built around that that bit. And yeah. and then the fact that they filmed the entire cut number to go over the credit sequence. And it's Ripple, so good. Ripple is not a cheap musical number either. It's probably no, the it's, most expensive in terms of production. Yeah. And it's a banger of a song. It's a great too. song. It's so good. They did water. Yeah, they flood There's the soundstage for, for the, dancing. It's amazing. It. No, it's great. Um, but I know I love that our one like big Broadway voice doesn't get a big song. Like Marley starts to have a big song, and then Ryan, yeah. Ryan Reynolds keeps interrupting him, and he's finally yep, like, "Nope, sure you know does. what? We're done. We're done. That's it." And something that bothered me the first time I watched it, but I've come around on it was they they specifically say the afterlife is a musical but then ryan reynolds in the real world is singing and octavia spencer in the real world is singing and i was like why are these Mm -hmm. people singing if they're not part of the afterlife but on more viewings on repeated viewings now that we get more knowledge of this world yeah it's because there are afterlife characters who are watching that moment and i think it's being interpreted for them as a musical number because at the very end of ryan reynolds big song and dance number in the christmas tree farmer Mm -hmm. convention which is so good which is so great as soon as that number is done it hard cuts back to him just at the podium Mm -hmm. and so it's like okay he wasn't that was a non-diegetic musical number do you want to you want to explain diegetic and non-diegetic real quick diegetic is when the characters are aware that they're singing and non-diegetic is when it's just 
how it's being expressed to you, the audience. The character's not actually singing in that moment. But it's like a weird layering of it in this movie because the afterlife characters are always very aware that they're singing. Right. A good example for that, I think, is uh, the Pitch Perfect movies. Mm -hmm. Everybody's singing and everybody's aware they're singing. Yes. So that's all diegetic. Yeah, that's all diegetic. Greatest Showman, diegetic. Mostly. Mostly. Like 90%. This comes and goes, but it's all firmly tongue-in-cheek, and it's all a musical afterlife, so it works. Oh, this is this is just a great movie. I love this movie so very much. Mm-hmm. Um, the line... Okay, so the things that stuck out to me more this time are, like, it's very clear that there were a bunch of, like, one-liners that Reynolds and Will Ferrell deliver that they, like, clearly did, like, 13 different takes, and there's a bunch of different options. Um, my... Uh, favorite or maybe the one that stood out to me most this time is when Will Ferrell sees Ryan Reynolds for the first time uh, and he describes him as a perfect combination of Mussolini and Seacrest. Okay, yeah. That's that's a line in this film. Yes, it is. Will Ferrell just deadpanned that and was so excited about it. I really like the exchange after Good Afternoon about... Good Afternoon. How did you know that choreography? I was following you. Like well, tap you, is new. Tap is very new yeah. for me. Like it's a very expressive medium. Like that's not written they're, into a script. They're, they're just riffing off Their chemistry each other. is so good. So their chemistry good. is so good. They're riffing off of each other without but it's it's either scripted riffing, like they came mm-hmm. up with it and figured out what that was gonna be, but it still feels like they're saying it for the first time. Yes. Or they're riffing so well that they don't have us or ums. Right. And it's just working. And both of those are hard. I don't know if this movie works without Will Ferrell and Ryan Reynolds. It would. I don't know who else you would get. Like, I mean, you can find other. I feel like you could find other pretty people mm-hmm. to play Clint to play yes. the Ryan Reynolds role. Like somebody that's believable enough as to be uh, a bit of a dick. I think that's a safe word to say. Yeah. I was going to say, hey, other words, but we're going to say that, you know, can sing enough and can dance well enough. He can dance. Uh, I think you could probably find other people. I don't know who else besides Will Ferrell does this. Right. And especially the chemistry that the two of them have together. Right. It's incredible. And I don't think they had worked together before. No, I don't know that they have either. You know, I used to just be like, I don't like Will Ferrell movies. Because a lot of his comedy stuff I don't like. Mm-hmm. But I'm finding more and more of his movies that I do really enjoy. Besides Elf. Elf is fine. Elf is fine. I'll watch it every year because it's on. Like movies like Step Brothers and Talladega Nights. Like that's not my kind of comedy. I don't it's find that funny. It's very crude and crass. Yeah. But this is if Will Ferrell is is just funny and not yeah. crass. So we've elevated Will Ferrell a little bit in this movie. I also really like him in a movie called Stranger Than Fiction. Very good. Uh, he does a really good job in that. And Elf is good. Um, yeah. But yeah, I prefer humor that's slightly elevated above just the crass, crude kind of stuff. And I really like watching him do it. When he gets something that he can really hold on to like that. Like he's one of the funniest people to ever live at this point. Mm-hmm. Like he did SNL for so long and his bits are still played on specials, you know, 30 years oh, later. And we've. And he has he, it, uh, more, more cowbell. Yeah. Is all you have to say. Like 
Well, and you and I have talked about um, the the cut for time sequence that we love of Will Ferrell with the drama teacher at high school. Oh, yeah. Like getting ready to post the cast list. Like uh, it's one of the best so sketches good. they've ever written. It's so good. It hurt my soul so much. Speaking of previous Will Ferrell films. Mm-hmm. So I have done a little digging here. To find out who was the mastermind behind this flick. Okay. I know that Will Ferrell's you know a who producer. the director was? Uh, I just saw it like Sean Anders or is that a different film? Sean Anders. Yeah. It's Sean Anders. This was the eighth film he had directed. Okay. Not the first with Will Ferrell because he did direct uh, both Daddy's Home and Daddy's Home 2. Oh, Okay. With Will Ferrell and Mark Wahlberg. So maybe that speaks to the connection there. Like he already knows how Will Ferrell works with somebody else. Yeah, so maybe possibly. that works a little bit. Um, I, I know, know that I saw Pasek and Paul were both listed as producers on yeah. this movie, which makes a lot of sense. And and you yeah. mentioned Pasek and Paul write songs for regular people. Yes. And I really want to talk about the accessibility of the music. It's so accessible. It sounds like common speech, and which is so hard to do. They're really, really good at that. Like, Pascal and Paul's most notable projects for the layman are Dear Evan Hansen and The Greatest Showman. Mm-hmm. Yep. And you can say whatever you want about problematic things with both of those stories. But what is problematic about Dear Evan Hansen and what is problematic about The Greatest Showman has absolutely nothing to do with their scores. Absolutely nothing to do with their scores. Their scores are brilliant. I yeah. I maintain that Dear Evan Hansen is one of those shows that's score that's that soundtrack is infinitely better than its book. Absolutely, without question. I I maintain that The Greatest Showman is a series of incredible music videos loosely held together by a bad plot. Yeah. Like they need 15 more minutes of plot in that movie to make that a film, and instead it's the like the greatest music videos ever made. Yeah, and and Pascal and Paul are really really good at writing songs that hold up out of context. Yes, you can get up and perform so many of their so many of yeah. them. There are some songs from musicals that were clearly written so that they could be like singles on the radio, yes. and they don't mesh super well into I'm thinking of Footloose is the big one (laughs) they don't mesh well into the plot of of their musical but what I love about Pascal and Paul's music is that the songs do mesh into the world of the show that they're being sung for but they also just stand alone as bangers so well so well uh do you know they won an Oscar for this? No. No. No, they won an Oscar for Best Original Song. For? City of Stars from La La Land. Yes, I did. I did know that they, did they wrote that, that too. one. Yeah. They're very, very, very oh, good at what they do. They're very good. And this movie in particular, every song's a banger. Like, there's some songs I skip from Greatest Showman and some songs I skip from Dear Evan Hansen when I'm listening to those soundtracks. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, I don't I don't know that there's a soundtrack or a cast album that I don't skip. 
right a couple on but i'm happy to listen to any song from spirited the octavia spencer stuff gets me a little bit okay like the the first one is the, the one view, where she's singing the about from mo- here. the view from the view from here that's fine and then the ones that are a little more talky i'm like i want to listen to it like once or twice mm-hmm. but good afternoon good afternoon is great amazing i could listen to it all day yeah i could listen to do a little good on loop christmas morning feeling oh yeah either one it's so good it's so good uh do a little good yeah love do a little Real good good and then ripple is <laughs> Ripple's a really She's, good song ripple's so fantastic and and one of the things that i just so there's a guy on tiktok right now who is doing reviews of every adaptation of a christmas carol that exists so he's watched like take a while. he's watched like 150 different movie versions. I bet of a Christmas Carol, and he's reviewing them all and ranking them. There's probably like six good ones. And he, of course, has done Spirited, and one of his criticisms of Spirited and his criticism of a couple of the musical versions of Christmas Carol is that the songs don't advance the plot; they just stop and sing. And so my my critique of that critique is that okay actually songs and musicals are supposed to serve two purposes that one is to advance the plot but the other is to reveal character and a lot of the songs in spirited are about revealing character more than they are about advancing the plot yeah unredeemable yeah. does not advance the it doesn't plot, advance the but plot you need to know you need to know and same with the christmas tree song um bringing back christmas <laughs> does not advance the christmas. plot but it tells you everything no. you need to know about ryan reynolds character yes but also, I feel like this movie Clint. understands. It just came to me. His, name's his Clint. name is Clint. <laughs> this movie understands the structure of musicals so well that it can break those rules because it's poking fun at the fact that it's breaking those rules. With Patrick Page going through going, we don't need to sing. We don't need to sing here. Like, we don't yeah. need to stop the action to have a song break. No, we could just do it. And then them ignoring him and singing it anyway. Yeah. We are just going to do this anyway. Like it's, it's, it's very tongue in cheek and it's, it's giving a nod and a wink to the audience of like, yeah, we know that this song doesn't need to be here, but aren't you going to enjoy it while we're singing and dancing? Yeah. And the answer is yes, you are. Yeah. We're singing and dancing. And on top Uh, of all of that, what I love about this movie is how there is more is how it is. It is reinterpreting a Christmas Carol. So we talked about how a Christmas Carol is a very straightforward narrative because it's a novella. Super straightforward. It's very simple. It's a novella. It's not a long story either. Like It's not. But it also, it makes this question of redemption feel super easy. Because it's like, oh, all Scrooge needed was a visit from three ghosts to knock some sense into him and now he's a good human being. And realistically, it's not that easy. No, and if you wait which I for think like, is what they dig into. Yeah, yeah. If you're waiting for that one big moment to change who you are completely, it's probably not going to happen. Which is what we see at the end on the ice rink. Yeah. And so Scrooge present, Will Ferrell, is like so excited because Clint's been redeemed. He corrected his mistake. He did the right thing. But the big ending isn't coming. And Clint's right. like, yeah, because I'm going to go back to work on Monday. And I'm going to do the same thing that I always do because I'm good at it. It's like yeah. I, I fixed this one dick move that I did that inadvertently ended up killing a child. 
Like, I have standards. Yeah. I might be a monster, but I'm not that much of a monster. I'm not that much of a monster. And so I, I love that they kind of delve into that and that that's what's driving Will Ferrell's fear of, quote unquote, retirement, is that if I go back and be a human, am I going to be a good human? Or am I going right. to to slip back into my old ways? Yeah. And the conclusion that they come to of like, yeah, it's not going to be a one snap of the fingers and it's done. It's making the choice every day to be better than you were the day before. Yeah. And I like adding that nuance to this story. It is a needed nuance to add. And I think it's it's very modern and contemporary, but I think it's needed. It is also because they thread that needle so carefully for the end, like that moment that you mentioned where it's like, this is the end. There's still 20 minutes left mm-hmm. in this movie. And I forgot how long this movie is because it's two hours. Yeah. Watching it, like I was about halfway through it and I went, this thing's too long. This should be like 10 or 15 minutes shorter. I don't remember it being this long. What's going on? And then I get to the end and I'm like, oh, right. That's because this thing has like four endings. Mm-hmm. And then it ends, and then we see it in the future where Clint is the ghost of the present. And then we see uh, Will Scrooge as a human, and they've got kids. And then we get the music video under the credits, so you got to watch that too. And yeah. it's like, okay, this thing just doesn't end. Yeah. But as long as you're paying attention to it, it it can't end because that's the point. Because if it, if it had ended right there on the ice rink, then – the story hasn't evolved. Right. If the story hasn't evolved, why are we wasting our time telling it? Yeah. So you have that moment where Clint pushes Will Ferrell out of the way of the truck. Will Scrooge. Will Scrooge out of the way of the truck. Or Ebenezer Farrell. Yeah, I like that one. Ebenezer Farrell. That's good. Um, saves his life. By sacrificing his own, in a way. And it's that moment of of Ebenezer Farrell going, no, see, you have changed. You did change because you did this selfless act without thinking about it. And you wouldn't have done that before. And that kind of moment of you can change sometimes and become better without realizing that that's what's happened. Yeah. And so then I just remember the sucker punch watching it the first time. Although I do distinctly remember having the thought of like they end the song and they specifically do this big dance number while time is frozen. And then they go back and yes. end the song in exactly the same places where they started it. And I remember oh, thinking sure. the first time I watched it, I was like, you shouldn't stand there. Time's going to unfreeze and that bus is going to hit you. And that's exactly what happens. It's exactly what happens. So, like I'm sitting there watching it this time and I noticed it because they are standing a good 30 or 40 feet away from the bus because yeah. they have to be at the front of the dance number yes because there are uh the the um the undead future ghosts whatever they all are are like up the sides of buildings and on scaffolding and on top of the bus and on top of cars and filling up the streets and shutting down traffic because it's a whole production number and it just looks like somebody went like the choreographer went all right there you go and they put uh will and ryan at the front and then they did this whole thing and then the director went um, actually, I need them to move at the end. Can we reblock them, please? Because they just need to... so you you can like watch them like run back through. Right. Like it's clearly like reblocked choreo that we've all like as soon as it's as soon as you see it, you're like, 
oh yeah, I've told my choreographer to fix that. Oh yeah. I had to change that. And then they get them right back in front of the bus and they're like, and go. And I just, it makes me smile now. Yeah, no, it's, it's a great moment. And then, you know, so Ryan Reynolds character dies at the end and Marley has this great line about your sacrifice would be meaningless if it had no consequences. It's a great line. And There's a lot of real good one-liners. Oh, and I love Ryan Reynolds' response to that, which is like, okay, but this sucks. Like, I get that. Yeah. I get what you're saying, but this sucks. Yeah. And so then he finds a fix, and it's beautiful, and I love it. I just love it. Real quick, uh, I got some of the top quotes pulled up on uh, the IMDb page. Okay. The top quote is uh, they, they attribute Will Ferrell's uh, Ebenezer Farrell Will character t- as present. They just call him present. Mm-hmm. The best quote, as voted on by IMDb people, is present to the guy in a Buddy the Elf costume. You look stupid. Yeah. It was a good moment. Second line is present about Clint. He's like the perfect combination of Mussolini and Seacrest. Uh, third is just the present saying, good afternoon. Uh, fourth is uh, Christmas yet to come, who we've not spoken about, uh, saying, you've, you've been, been Christmas, Christmas Carol, Carol, bitch. bitch. <laughs> and the last one is present. So persuasive. Kind of makes you want to push an old lady down a flight of stairs. <laughs> Which feels very much like a Will Ferrell that, that's a Will Ferrell sequence of right ad libs, and they just picked the one that was funniest. Yeah, they picked the one that they could use the best. Oh, this is a movie. I love this movie so much. I want to watch it again. Well, as you watch it, you start to to see all of these parallels, like, over and over and over again, because Ryan Reynolds dies immediately after being redeemed. Ebenezer, in this version, also dies very soon after being redeemed. And it's kind of like the question that gets raised is, like, is that the price from an unredeemable? Right. Do they have to kind of sacrifice their life to earn that redemption? Questions I have about the world building. Many questions about the world many, building. Many, many questions. If you have questions about the world building, it means that there's a world that we care about. True. Right? We want to know how it works. Yeah. Because it's true. not necessarily just like, hey, this is really bad. Let me poke holes in it. It's like, no, hang on. Hang on. I need some more. Give me a little bit more. Yeah. I'm invested now. Yeah, and I oh, I like film. I like that even though we're drawing distinct parallels between Clint and Ebenezer, it's not a direct like reinterpretation of his life. You kind of think it's going to be initially, mm-hmm. um, but the the more they get into his past and into the events that made him who he he was, the more those stories kind of diverge. Yeah, which I liked as well. Yeah, because if it if it had been one for one, it would not have been uh, as meaningful because the the point changes at the end. Mm-hmm. It's not just hey Scrooge did it because he had a weird fever dream, right? Brought on by a, a a bit of underdone potato, right? This is not that. This is it took a year for them to even build up to, Hey, we think we got a shot at this unredeemable, a year of the entire afterlife singing and dancing their way through pre-prep. As a theater person, those are my favorite little moments throughout the whole thing is seeing like the afterlife techies 
changing the oh, set so around. Good. We didn't even talk about this. Okay. They keep changing the set around. Will Ferrell's got an earpiece, and they have all these different scenes queued up that they can jump back and forth to, but also that uh, uh, Ryan Clint Reynolds can disappear from or escape from uh-huh. from one to the next or get out into the afterlife. Yeah. Like, that's it's wild. Also, all of the, like, they do a uh, preparation montage to a song mm-hmm. to, about the ripples and everything, and part of the prep is practicing their dance numbers. Yeah, I, as a theater person, I just love that so deeply. Or they'll have, like, two or three people, like, building something or working on something, mm-hmm. or they've got their m- murder board up on the wall and they're doing something, and there's, like, two people on the side stretching, getting ready to tap. Yeah. Like... There's like seven things happening at once. I'm like, this is absolutely right. This is a rehearsal room right here. I also love the Hall of the Redeemed, which we get such a brief peek at. And I really, because they put so much detail into that. And you only catch a little bit as it like pans across. They've got like this giant hall that Present sings a song in where they've got these like holographic figures of all of the people that they've redeemed. And one of them is Dolly Parton. Sure is. One of them is Dolly. I don't remember the rest of the list, but it's like. Yeah, this is a good bit. Yeah. And it's just like, it's not dwelt on. No. It's just like in passing. There's not too many moments in this that I'm like, okay, they're overdoing it. No. It feels like it's a little bit overwrought. I think the only one that really stands out to me is when uh, Ebenezer Farrell and Octavia Spencer's character, which I don't remember her name either, when when they're walking mm-hmm. towards the end and they're like out walking through the city, I feel like that's a little too long. Okay, but I can only see like that. maybe maybe like thirty seconds. Like I'm like, okay, we've been here long mm-hmm. enough. We're good. We can move on. But even then, it's it, it still serves a purpose. Yeah. Ugh. You got anything else you want to talk about? Or no, I love this movie. It's really good. It's so good. Do I have any other movies to talk about? Christmas movies. We could do a whole yeah. episode on Muppet Christmas Carol. We could do a whole Muppet Christmas Carol episode. I don't believe that episode exists on any shows on the network at all. A Muppet Christmas Carol episode? I don't think so. I don't think we have that anywhere. Um, and then there's an, uh, what's the name? Uh, Eliza at Hanukkah? Yeah, Is that the exactly. name of the film? Yes. Eloise at Christmas With Josh time. Henry? Gavin Creel. <laughs> Gavin Creel. I'm close. I got to rewatch that. I need to just order my own copy of that DVD because it's not streaming anywhere. Uh, Yeah, that is the problem with streaming. Thanks for coming along with us on this special Christmas episode of By the Ghost Light. If you didn't like this episode, that's your own loss. Why have you listened to, you know. I don't know how you've made it this far. 40 minutes of us talking about a movie that you don't care about. Listen, we're going to do this every year. And we're going to be able to look back on this yearly and say, hey, what new insights have we gleaned? No, I just want us to do this for like five years in a row and then listen to the episodes back to back and just see how identical they are. I'm sure we've treaded some Like ground. what points do we just make all of the time? Well, we know what we're talking about. Exactly. I'd like to think. We're part of the Ghostlight Podcast Network. You can find us at uh, ghostlightmedia.net. And if you are in our Discord server, um, tell us uh, tell, tell us what your favorite song from the film is. Because I was gonna say, tell us your top three Christmas movies, or top three Christmas movies. Because the the best song in this is Good Afternoon. The best song in this is Do a Little Good, but <laughs> the best song in this is not in the sentence Ripple. 
<laughs> Correct. Ripple is the one that gets stuck in my head most often. I'll just be like walking around my house this past week because I've watched ripple, this movie like ripple. one and a half times. And I've just heard. Ripple. 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 It just, it just goes. Oh, man. <sighs> because Pascal and Paul also write earworms. Like They're these songs just it. burrow They're into your head, into it. your consciousness. I'm going to be stuck with this for six weeks. We love it, though. Absolutely love it. We're bringing back Christmas one way or another. That's all for us. We'll see you in 2024. I'm Ryan. I'm Cassie. And join us next time by the Ghost Light. This has been a Ghostlight Media production.